The Thriving Over Surviving podcast is for informational and inspirational purposes and not meant to be medical advice. Please consult your physician for any medical issues you may be facing. The opinions expressed by guests and advertisers are their own and not necessarily the opinions of Thriving Over Surviving podcast. Seeing your loved one go through this, it's the longest goodbye. You're seeing your loved one. They're not your loved one. You've lost that person. It's like torture because you, you don't want this for them, but she's still here. Welcome to another episode of the Thriving Over Surviving podcast, where we discuss the ups and downs of our autoimmune diagnoses, but ultimately how we thrive in spite of it. I'm your host, Edie Sahesian. I was diagnosed in 2015 with multiple sclerosis. I've learned a lot about MS in myself over the past few years, but the most important thing I realize is that I am going to live my best life. MS and other autoimmune diseases tend to be a bit of a bummer if we let them. So why not battle back by finding our joy? What defines a family? I mean, to me, it's a group of people who love each other unconditionally and they try each other, right? They can put each other really through the ringer sometimes, but they're always there when you need them. I've needed my family during those times and they were there for me. My dad, for example, during my diagnosis was just incredible and when he needs me, like when he had his gallbladder removed, when he had his foot surgery, I, of course, was there for him and anything he needs in the future. Fighting to be the best version of herself, Alexis has a lot up in the air. An MS warrior, a wife, a mother of two. She really wants to share her perspective of living with chronic illness with others. But a piece of this, a very big piece of her story also involves the fact that Alexis' core values revolve around her family. It means so much to her in her life. And one of these pieces, along with the, the family component, is that Alexa takes care of her mother who has Alzheimer's disease. And so we're going to talk today, we're going to discuss how family really plays an integral role in our health journey. Let's chat it up with Alexis. Hi, how are you today? Hi, Edie. How are you? Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. <laughs> Yay. Oh, I'm so excited for you to be here. And, you know, I... I found you, we started chatting. And I think that that's, you know, the best way to really get to know other thrivers isn't just by like going on social media or watching a video of them, but really getting to chat a little bit and see what makes them tick. And it's really fascinating to me how you've taken on this whole role of caretaker with your mom. But I want to talk first about you. Will you share with the listeners and I your diagnosis story? Yes. Okay. So this is literally the first time I've talked about my, my diagnosis story ever. Like I've never gone on my social. I've never, you know, gave a story or anything like that. So I'm kind of excited about that because people ask me all the time and I'm like, well, it's kind of a lot one. But in 2014, what had happened was I had a miscarriage and through that, I I didn't know it at the time, but 
it sent my body into a really bad relapse. And I was having all these symptoms and, you know, I had stairs in my place at the time and it felt like sandbags and my legs going up and down the stairs. And I would go to the doctor and they were like, well, you just worked out too hard. You need to go to PT, you know, we're going to send you to PT. And so there I went in PT and were asking me to lift my legs and couldn't. They said, oh, we're going to send you to, I forgot, like a neurologist. But my neurologist was like, we're going to scan the lower back. And I'm like, okay, scan the lower back. And he found a cyst and he's like, oh, we're going to operate. That's what it is. We're going to operate. And sent me to a neurosurgeon. I was living in overseas at the time. So it's a wild one, Edie, I told you. <laughs> we were overseas because we're a military family. My husband's in the military. So we moved at the time. Sent me to a neurosurgeon in Cambridge. The guy literally did, you know, the whole walk, touch this, do, you know, the exam. It was five minutes. And he's like, go back to your neurologist and tell him to scan your brain. And I was like, what? Not, you know, I mean, complete panic walking out of that office. Like, what is wrong with my brain? <laughs> and sure enough, when I, it took them, I think, nine months to get to this point. Like, so it did, I did not get diagnosed quickly at all. Like it took almost a year, went back to the doctor. They did the MRIs and the lumbar puncture. And sure enough, MS for sure. What were your symptoms at that time? Like what was really going on over those nine months? Okay. So it was weird because it was the heaviness of the legs in the beginning. And then I would get a lot of like numbness, but the spots where I was getting the numbness was moving around. Like one day it would be on my side. And then one day it would be in my stomach. And then one day it would be, you know, all over the place. It was just jumping. And I was like, this is not normal. And then over the course of the nine months, I didn't know what was happening. I mean, it's drop foot now, I know, but I could not walk. My left leg would not move. And people would stare at me constantly because I look completely fine, but I could not. I had to hold on to walls. I could not walk from like here to the bathroom. So I, that was the big one where I'm like, something is definitely wrong. And all the doctors were telling me like, no, no, no. It's, you know, you're stressed. It's anxiety. You're, you know, all in my head essentially. But I knew like there's, this is not right. Something's wrong. Yeah, definitely. And it sounds like you just kept pushing at it a little bit <laughs> enough to get them to say, whoa. Yes. I think I saw four doctors. I saw PT specialists. I saw a neurosurgeon. I saw like, I saw literally everybody, but they just could not come to, you know, anything else. Like you worked out too hard. You did this, you did that. And it was never on their radar at all. So it's been eight years since your diagnosis. Yeah. What's, what's, <laughs> what's been happening since then with your body? You know, it was so weird because I have an aunt who has um, a muscle issue, you know, and she's had it for 30 some years and watching her persevere through her illness 
and just, you know, it, hers also changes over time and you have to, you know, the new normal. And I've seen her do that for like almost all my life. And she's just the, she was like the model I needed in this situation because I've seen her do it. And she's always had this positive, very like beautiful attitude about it. And so when it happened to me and I was in constant contact with her, she was like, well, you have one of two, you could do one of two things. Like you either are going to let it affect you and just like let it consume you or you're going to fight. You have the choice. And instantly I was like, yeah, no, I'm going to totally going to fight. <laughs> I was like, there's no other option. <laughs> and that pretty much what makes you a thriver. I mean, you just really do have this super positive perspective on things. And I think that's why we really gelled together in our chat I think that that's super commendable and really awesome that you had somebody to reach out to in in those ways. So now, do you have any lingering side effects from, you know, that initial relapse? Have you relapsed again? What's been going on medically? So since my, like after the miscarriage and that really, really bad relapse, I, I literally thought I was going to die. It was so bad. They put me in the hospital for steroid treatment for three days. I came back out, I relapsed a month later, hard again, like even worse. And my doctor at the time, it was kind of concerning because he was like, I think we really need to start looking into primary progressive MS. I'm like, whoa, we jumped. We like made this huge jump. We were here with relapsing, remitting, and now we're talking about, you know, primary progressive. And it scared me. And he's like, we're going to hit you really aggressively with steroids and see how you do. And Thank goodness, because five days in the hospital and I was able to walk normally out of the hospital. I was completely like, you flip the switch and I could walk again. When it was a really dark period because I would see people riding bikes and running. And at, at that point, it was like, is this, is this it? Am I not going to be able to do that anymore? You know, it was really scary and nobody believed me. Nobody believed my symptoms. And it's like, is this it? You know, and it, I, it was really dark. I didn't have my family with me at the time. I was overseas. So it was just my husband and I. And that was rough. But thank goodness, February of 2015, I have not relapsed once since. That's incredible. <laughs> have you been on a DMT? What are, you, what are you doing to make sure that happens? I am on Tecfidera currently. And it's funny because this was the first DMT I was put on in 2014 and I've still been on it. Lucky enough to not have to keep looking for the one that works for me. It's worked for me since day one. So that and I decided, which it kind of is, um, I don't know, it kind of bothers me that I decided to take my health seriously after diagnosis instead of before, you know, <laughs> but it's like, why? I got sick and I was like, okay, I'm going to get healthy. I'm going to, you know, eat well and exercise and do all this stuff. And, and I think that's a huge part of it too, because I, I try to eat well, exercise a lot. So I think that is a huge part of me being stable and me being able to continue to do the things that, you know, I can. Absolutely. And also, and I, I don't want to forget or look over the mindset piece 
because having that, I think, makes an enormously huge difference because you could be like, wow, afraid every day that something's going to happen. Who wants to live in fear? That is a, a terrible place to reside your brain in. And so having that positive mindset, I believe, really, really makes a difference. And so fast forwarding over the last eight years, Tell me about your pregnancies, because having that initial relapse after the miscarriage, I might be a little taking some extra precautions, maybe. I've never been pregnant or been in that situation, so I'd love to hear about what you went through there. Yeah, sure. So right after the miscarriage, and then, you know, the nine months right after that, that it took to get me diagnosed, they, when they finally, you know, had the diagnosis of MS, they said, do you want, are you thinking about having kids? And I said, oh yeah, like I want one more. I want to try for one more. And it was a process. I mean, a process. So I had to get on a DMT first. I had to wait a year to make sure that DMT was working and they had to get keep me stable. And if it was working, then I had to go back in for an MRI, make sure and then I can try. So it was a process, you know, the nine months, the year on the DM, you know, on the DMT and then, you know, scans and whatever else last minute and then go ahead and try to conceive. So it was no walk in the park at all. It was just, we have to plan this out, make sure you're okay. And I've had a lot of conversations with, with other warriors on social media about like, oh, pregnancy and can you can you can I have kids I'm scared to have kids and I I mean it's nothing to be scared of you just need to make sure everything checks out you're stable your DMT's working and a lot of people ask me like well what about after they hear that after you which is true after you have a baby you can relapse pretty pretty hard but at the time thank goodness I had one of my favorite neurologists ever she was like okay been two weeks. She's like, it's time to, to get back on it. <laughs> and I was like, okay. So I went back. I did a, my treatment was solumedrol once a month to make sure, you know, if you want to breastfeed, you can breastfeed, but we're going to do solumedrol once a month until you decide to stop to keep you stable. So, I mean, it's just plan, a lot of planning. It's nothing to be scared of, but just a lot of planning and back and forth with your neurologist for sure. So while you were pregnant, you weren't on the Tecfidera. You went back on it after, after you stopped breastfeeding. Well, so the cool thing is when you're um, pregnant, your MS symptoms just kind of are in remission, kind of. Nothing happens. Like you're the baby somehow. I don't, I don't know the magic <laughs> behind all this, but they, you have, you take nothing. You literally are on nothing. And your body is like, it, it's in like remission. Nothing happens. And if it does, if it does, I mean, I, I don't know what the treatment would be, but. You would think that, I don't know, I'm not a medical physician in any way, shape or form, but you would think they would study that. I don't know if it's hormones or what that keeps us stable, what? but I want whatever that juice is <laughs> that you were drinking. Not necessarily the pregnancy one, but <laughs> be pregnant all the time and be fine. <laughs> Interesting concept. We'll uh, maybe uh, explore that in another episode, <laughs> but um, super, super curious. And how old are your kids now? So my daughter is 11 
and my son is five. And I get asked a lot, like, why? What's the reason for like, that's such a huge age gap. I'm like, you do not know what I had to go through. <laughs> he <laughs> is a blessing, right? <laughs> that's why. Yes. That's why I did all this. So he, she needs to know he needs to be on his best behavior 24 <laughs> seven because his mama did so much to have him. Uh, you can tell him that, Edie. <laughs> Please tell him. I don't know. Five-year-old boy is a little tough with that uh, concept. But anyways, so, so you have the two kids and your husband and yes. now you're back over here in this, right? I am. I lived in Michigan. I lived in Vegas. I lived in the UK. And it took me away for a good eight years. So I'm born and raised in California. So I'm back in my hometown and I I don't plan on leaving. <laughs> yeah, it's a nice climate. The 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 climate, the weather isn't terrible in California, so I hear. Not at all. Not at all. <laughs> and so I also know, as you've shared with us a little bit, you are taking care of your mom. Can you tell us a little bit about what she's going through? My mom was diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease shortly after my son was born. So I think like April 2017, she was diagnosed with Alzheimer's. I think the first sign was she was repeating herself a lot. She would ask you, oh, Edie, how was your day? And then you would answer. And literally two minutes later, oh, Edie, how, how was your day? Or went through this, you know? And so I started to bring it up to my dad and my sister and say, I don't know, something doesn't seem right. And we did all the, you know, tests and whatnot. And it came back, sure enough, that she had Alzheimer's. And with Alzheimer's, you're normally supposed to progress in long like spaces, you, you know, it doesn't happen right away. It's supposed to be a long period of time or a general decent period of time. But for my mother, we started noticing um, the decline every six months. And, you know, it would be, she would forget things. She wouldn't misplace stuff. She was getting very aggressive verbally with my sister because my sister lives with my mother. Also, she's the primary caregiver in our in our family, you know, my dad and myself. And I try to see her about three times a week. And whenever they need me, you know, I take care of her medical, talk to the doctors, talk to the neuros. But now I think after five years, she's at a point where it's on the more the severe side in the sense that um, she can't have a conversation. You can't ask her questions. It's just normal caring for oneself. She can't do that anymore. Sometimes she forgets how to eat things like tacos or something. She forgets how you pick it up and put it in your mouth. But she still has this. <laughs> it, it's nice when you see this little glimpse of the person that she was. And, you know, she'll make jokes and start laughing. Or she'll say something funny that, like, makes her laugh. One word that'll make her laugh. And she'll just start going like hysterically laughing. You're like, okay. <laughs> or dancing, you know, she'll do a little dance and you're like, okay, there she is. But it really is like about finding, taking those little moments where, you know, you see her or she's giving you a hug and she tells you she loves you and like running with it. You're like, this, this is great. Like memory for sure. Storing that one. But she, she makes you laugh. So it's like, if you can't laugh, with her through this, or you can't laugh with like my dad and my sister, like it's really going to eat you up. It's hard because it's 
it's not like it's not going to have an effect negatively on anybody. It's very stressful. It's, it's, it's physically stressful because you have to bathe her and change her. And she has episodes where she cries out of nowhere for no reason. And it's just the emotional stress too of, you know, whatever she's going through and seeing your loved one go through this. It's the longest goodbye. You know, you're seeing your loved one. They're not your loved one. You've lost that person, but she's still here. It's like torture because you you don't want this for them, but she's still here. She's healthy, which is wild. She's healthy as an ox. It's just the brain that is not healthy. It's it's rough. You know, my sister is, she really is the rock star in the family because she lives with her and feeds her and gives her her medicine and her kids are there too. And they help with my mom. I mean, it's so cute. Sometimes I get teary eyed because it's like, they're like, okay, Mimi, they'll hold her hand and bring her downstairs. And it's time to eat lunch, Mimi. And it's the cutest thing because everybody, it's like, Everybody's helping. It's not just me and my dad or my sister. It's the kids too. They know when Mimi gets irritable, you, you guys have to tone it down a notch. Don't be so loud because she gets irritated. Just, you know, and they know that. And it's it's so cool to see kind of everybody around pitching in. I mean, even our husbands, you know, are very hands-on with her too, you know, joking, playing music, dancing with her. It's nice because we're making the best of the time that we have with her. So she, it's hard because you want to help her too. Like I want to help my sister. I want to give you a day. I want to, what could I do to ease you? What could I do to ease my dad's stress? So it's not just looking out for her as we have to all at the same time, make sure we're all okay too. Like, are you okay? What do you need? <laughs> so Alexis, are you okay? And I'm, I'm seriously asking, right? Because you mentioned that it's a very stressful situation. And for people with multiple sclerosis, stress can be a real bad thing for us. It can impact a lot with our disease. And so how do you manage that? I know you said everybody's pitching in and it is a family affair. And But you're, you said you're losing your mom. And it's, it's a long haul, right? And you're seeing this happen to her and you love her tremendously, obviously. How are you handling the stress? What do you do to overcome that? Oh, man. You know, I want to be this like huge advocate for like, really, you know, we, let's not stress so much. You know, I don't have it all together, like at all. It's, it's kind of impossible when you're so emotionally invested. This is my mother. I love this woman with everything. And it's really hard for me to not let it get to me. I mean, I do all the things that one should. I, I exercise. I will read books. I'll meditate. I'll do something for me. But at the end of the day, sometimes it's not enough because it's emotional stress. It's, I don't know how to, I struggle to deal with that. I don't have it all together. I wish I did, but I'm human and I love her too much, you know, and it's hard to, it's so hard to not let it get to me. I, I don't know how to do that, but I do it day by day. I don't know how you could have it all together. And my next question might be a little hard to answer. And if you feel as though you don't want to answer it, please let me know. But and seeing your mom go through all of this and 
you being there with her, her husband being there with her, her kids being there with her. Do you think about what that looks like for your future with your family? I do. I worry because um, I know with my diagnosis, me already having an issue with the brain, I'm more likely to follow in those footsteps. It's it's just, I don't know. It's, it's, it's the next thing where it's, I don't remember what the percentage was, but I remember reading that if you had a pre-existing brain disease, then you're more likely, which is scary. It doesn't run on that side of the family. It runs in my dad's side of the family. My grandfather has it. My aunt has it. And one of my grandma's sisters has dementia. So it does scare me. Having MS is enough. You know, it's scary enough. But yeah, and that's kind of where I am. Like even with your MS, you know, we don't know what the future holds. And you seem super awesome and positive and exercising and eating well and taking your DMT and all of those things. But it's very unpredictable and we don't know. So I was just wondering, have you had conversations with your husband about the, that stuff? I mean, thinking with your mom in mind? Yeah. So we've talked about it. And the way I kind of approach that situation and my MS is, you know what? I'm going to live my life like 100%. I'm not going to because there was a period of time where I lived in fear, wondering like, oh my gosh, when am I going to relapse or when am I going to move on to the next stage of MS? You know, I, I well, this is before I even knew, you know, and I was like, oh my gosh, so many percent, you know, transition from relapsing, remitting to secondary progressive. And I'm like, when is that going to happen? You know, and I lived that way for so long until I decided, you know what, this isn't working for me. I'm going to live every single day like I don't have anything. I'm going to take care of myself. I'm going to push through it. And I am not going to think tomorrow or in a month. I and, and if it does happen, if I do start to progress in my illness, then I will deal with it as it comes. But until then, it's just I'm not going to give it permission to invade my space because I don't have any more room. <laughs> okay, so that was really meaningful. Because I think that that's it, right? I'm not going to give it permission to invade my space. And and that's that goes back to the mindset piece, in my opinion, but also the fact that it's not a doomsday thing. I mean, and I'm going to take every day as it comes. And I think that's all we can do. I, I'm no super woman. I'm no super woman. I don't have the answer to this, but I'm going to but I'm going to do the best I can every day and enjoy the heck out of it. We can't lose sight of all those wonderful things in our lives. So, so it's huge for me because the way I also like what my, my drive to be positive, because I, I do really feel like mindset is huge in, in all this managing your illness and how you do going forward. But also the, the, biggest driving force for me is my kids. Like, I don't want my kids to see that I sat here and took it lying down. No, mom fought for as long as she could. She did everything she could to be healthy for, for them. Working out like, mom, why do you work out all the time? You know, or why do you work out for so long? Or why are you always eating salad? Or, you know, <laughs> and <laughs> it's like, this is, this is the reason my health is so important because I want to be there and, and, able-bodied, hopefully in 20 years 
when my daughter gets married, like I want to be there and present for them as much as I can. And my job to take care of me so I can be there for them. It's huge, huge for me. I want them to see me as always fighting. I never gave in. I always fought. So I'm hoping that's the legacy I leave behind. Not that like mom was always nagging at me to clean my room or mom was always... (laughs) I'm sure they have, they see it in you. They've got to, it's, it's all over your face. So thank you so much for sharing all of your diagnosis story and all of these intimate details of your life with us. And as I said, in the opening, you want to do good things with your diagnosis. So do you have anything that you're working on to, in addition to this podcast, to share your story and to support the chronic illness community? I can't tell you how many messages I've actually got of people who've been in the exact same situation. Other warriors who are like, I was a caregiver to my dad or my mom. And, you know, some people were caregivers with parents with cancer. There's so many, like, it's not talked about often. And having multiple sclerosis, it's like, you do need to not stress because I've had several flares through my mom's, you know, diagnosis. And it's not easy, but it's always nice when you can have the conversation with other people who are going through exactly what you're going through, who know. I mean, sometimes it's just a conversation where it's like, they understand exactly what I'm going through. And just knowing that somebody else out there understands that is enough for me. So I think I want to do more on, you know, not just MS, but the fact that, you know, Alzheimer's is ugly and this is how our family is dealing with it and kind of an inside look into both sides, you know, the journey with my mother and how we manage and the good, the bad and the ugly. You know, growing old is a a fact of life. We're all going to do that. Many, many of us will pass away peacefully without all of this MS stuff, Alzheimer's. But I guess I'm thinking you're in a really unique situation because I'm probably going to be taking care of my dad when he gets to that place. But we also have these serious, serious things going on in our lives and to be able to manage ourselves and be able to give the love and attention that it takes to be able to support um, someone else as a caregiver, I think is a real, really unique quality of yours. And I love that you're trying to spread that awareness to other people because we need to, and this isn't particular to this community, but and everybody, we need to extend grace and kindness to others and recognize that I got to say, Alexis, you are a very beautiful woman. And looking at you from the outside, looking in, you have a beautiful family and every just thing just seems lovely. And when you're also dealing with some very heavy things and we don't know what those things are on the outside and people need to be cognizant of that. It doesn't matter how rosy things are. Everybody's dealing with something. And this is just one other thing, especially in our community that needs to be made aware of in that, you know, we're going through life not just MS, but there's life things that are happening. I think it's a lot of perspective. It's hard for me to even explain because I feel so passionately about it, right? I will never complain because my perspective is I'm watching my mother and your life is great. You're walking around, you're loving your kids, you're making dinner, you're doing all these things 
you get to do all these things and your mom can't, you know, the perspective is different. You don't know until you see and experience someone who just can't. And then my experience, and I think this helps with my positivity because it's like, I'm not going to complain. I can't afford to take a, a day off because I got I to gotta be there for her. If I need it, of course I will. But the perspective is so different for me. I think of her being diagnosed with Alzheimer's and watching her decline so drastically, so fast, has me living in a really positive way because you are lucky, you are blessed. I think that that is a great way to just think about life and living into that perspective a little bit and having that knowledge and at the forefront, I think is is very key. So Let's, let's summarize all the amazing things you talked about today. Recognizing that things are stressful, I think, is a key element because we can't deny that. Otherwise, we're not going to deal with it. Don't give MS permission to seep into your life too much. They, we want your kids to know that mom's a fighter, always fighting. Don't stop fighting. And, you know, give yourself permission, seeing things from that other perspective. All of those things I think are so relevant, not just in your situation, but many, many others. I want to thank you for taking the time so much to talk with me today. And I want to end on this note because I thought this was really great that you posted this on your Instagram. I can choose to be miserable or I can choose to do something good with this. You thrivers just put these emotions in me and saying that I can choose to be miserable or I can choose to do something good with it. It makes a lot of difference. So Alexa, can you tell people where they could reach out and find you? On Instagram, my handle is ms underscore. It's all in my head. It makes me think of that song. It's all in my head. <laughs> It's a good song, Edie. It's a good song. <laughs> I can't forget your Instagram handle now. It's nope. it's in my head, literally. Ingrained. <laughs> Again, <laughs> thank you so much for being here today. And, you know, sharing that core value of family with us is a really, really meaningful. If you want to find out more about your core values, please head over to the website at thrivingoversurvivingpodcast.com. There you can find lots of resources on finding your core values and starting to lead into those as a support for dealing with your MS or whatever's going on in your life. Have a great one, everybody, and please keep thriving. Thank you for joining me for this episode of the Thriving Over Surviving podcast. If you would like to join our growing community of thrivers, there are a lot of ways to do so. Visit the website at thrivingoversurvivingpodcast.com. There you'll find links to all our social media, my blog, and lots more. See you next time when we chat it up with another autoimmune warrior on the Thriving Over Surviving podcast. Keep thriving.